It's time to feel the rage. Welcome to Film Rage, where we talk movies. We're hoping that the movie theaters will be able to open soon, but until they do, the streaming continues. Directors and actors, beware, as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hello, Jim. Hey, hey. So, with the introductions out of the way, let's rage on. Well, this week on the podcast, we are going to be talking about some streaming. Yeah. And we're going to do an off-the-cuff event, uh-huh. which is which is exciting. We're going to talk about the special 18th annual Human Rights Film Festival, cool. and we were lucky enough to be invited to preview a couple of movies. Yeah. Ah, then we're doing Open Rage, The Lists, Rage or Dare, and then Bingo, Bango Bongo, Act of Life. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's all we got. All but we you know got. what? We you know what we do got? What do we, we got? got? A promo. All right. We got a promo for our buddies, Happy Horror Time Podcast. Check these dudes out. Hey Tim, do you like horror movies? Why, yes, I do, Matt. You want to hear two ridiculous horror fanatics discuss all the scary movies that just came out? Wait, you must be talking about our podcast, Happy Horror Time. You bet your ass I am. Oh, clean it up, Matt. No, see, that's the best part. On Happy Horror Time, you get uncensored and unpolished reviews of all things horror. We find all the latest releases, we watch them, and then discuss them in our real talk kind of style. A.K.A. We're crazy! Uh, That too. And don't forget, we also interview classic horror stars and insiders asking them all the questions you've always wanted to know but were afraid to ask. (laughs) Like when Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp told us how they found her stand-in for that big reveal at the end. Yep, you gotta listen to find out. Check out Happy Horror Time, a podcast for horror lovers. Or anyone who just wants to have a good time. Because anyone can have a happy horror time. I love happy horror time. It's like the best kind of time <laughs> best other than time. other than perhaps dancing <laughs> we're doing what we're streaming jim So, we are going to start with a movie by the name of Little Big Women. It is currently playing on Netflix. Huh. Yeah. So, this is a... A movie. It's a movie. On Netflix. Yeah. Uh, Show (laughs) you... Shoying is turning 70, and on that day, she learns that her estranged husband has passed. This is a launching point for the Little Big Women. From there... Just getting into the music here. Uh, From there, there, Shoying's family deals with the passing in different ways. It also brings some mother-daughter dynamics to the surface a lot is going on here and i felt that each storyline got the appropriate amount of attention 
Every issue that was introduced got a fairly satisfying amount of screen time. This is a very even movie with no real peaks or valleys. The acting is solid throughout. There is a beauty to every shot. The karaoke taxi scenes that sort of bookended the <laughs> movie were strangely effective. Um, this was an even, competent, never boring, but also never spectacular. Meh. What? 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 So I found, uh, well, just wait to hear this. Very reserved acting style from the lead actress. Pacing was slow and methodical. I almost felt the dialogues were done at half speed. Almost too contrived. I can't fully explain this feeling I have of the contrivity, if that's a word. Yeah. But it just it felt a little bit like uh, I want to say a soap opera. Mm. Thought the idea of her ex-husband dying on her birthday was an interesting plot line. At which point, watching this film, I'm thinking to myself, "Ooh, Bryce is probably loving this. How slow and boring it is." Everything at half speed and nothing really happening in this movie so far. Almost, like I was saying, a bit like a soap opera. Hmm, interesting. I love the family always coming together through food. That, I thought, was a really cool concept because it's so true to life, right? I mean, how much some of the biggest moments in our lives are with our families around food. I thought Shu, Shu, Shu Fang Chen did a great job as the grandma. I enjoyed it as a film school experiment is what I'm going to say in pacing as a film. Okay. And I fell into the groove of the slow methodical direction style. I liked it as a film. I just didn't really love it. Some of the more emotional scenes at the end were very rewarding and perhaps I should have enjoyed this film more, but found by the end, some of their conveniences, a quote, unquote, of the plot and the soap opera, soap opera like feel of the film I could not get over and interestingly enough I also thought the karaoke cab ride was awesome and that for that reason alone I want to go to Taiwan now because I've never seen karaoke taxi but I want to perform it and hopefully be extremely Taiwanese drunk at the time on whatever Taiwanese alcohol is available as I get into my cab get to days of our lives Taiwanese style meh yep my favorite line when your mom gave birth to you did she not give you guts it's important to have I hope she did give him guts I don't think she did it didn't happen Mm. the guts Mm. weren't there the guts weren't there that's disappointing yeah I was wanting to love this so much more yeah, I was I was pretty stoked to see it, and I've you know I I kind of heard about it, and that's why when it popped up on Netflix, I was like, well, we got to review this because I I had kind of seen little and it's you know it it kind of did the festival circuit, and then it, it got a lot of good reviews. Um, I never actually read any of the reviews; I just kind of saw the headlines, and it's just like, yeah, this is great, and I. Yeah, and I was, was I was, okay. and it was just okay, and I was kind of disappointed. <laughs> I was, I was hoping to, you know, I had my box of Kleenex ready. I was hoping to start bawling my eyes out. I thought, you know, mm-hmm. I probably have to blow my nose at least ten or twelve times. But uh, yeah, I barely, barely got teary eyed at all. Very disappointing. 
again, it wasn't like you could use the Kleenex for other things because the movie really didn't fit along that lines either. So it was kind of like, if I'm not using the Kleenex for my crying, I should I, be using it for something else. I but don't know what you're work. talking about. And so, yeah. The drool from the karaoke. Oh, the drool, uh, yes. The, cab the, driving. From singing along to the karaoke. Exactly. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about Malcolm and Marie. Malcolm and Marie? Yeah. Why not? Okay. Uh, a director and his girlfriend's relationship. Hey, before you, before you go on, where, where's that playing? That's on Netflix. Oh, yeah. It's a double Netflix. It's a double banger Netflix night. Hey, Netflix. I hear they're big. Yeah, I've heard some stuff from them. They All right. got. All right, give stuff. your summary now. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever. I'm all excited about Netflix now. Yes. Or maybe not. Love uh, Netflix. So, uh, a director and his girlfriend's relationship is tested after they return home from his movie premiere and awake critics' response. Sizz. But it's really response. Response. So it's directed and written by Sam Levinson. It is. And stars. It stars John David Washington. Love that guy. Tenet fame. Tenet fame. He's so and good. Zendaya. Zendaya and interesting yes both of them were producers on this film so I thought that was kind of cool all right all right so <clears throat> I love how Marie says right from the beginning let's talk tomorrow as nothing good is going to come from this conversation mm-hmm. huh wonder what would happen if they would have just listened to her she's a uh, wise woman Zendaya and John David Washington, or JDW, as I like to now call them, uh, do a great job working off of each other. And the dialogue seemed so natural at parts of this film. Had a classic kind of Woody Allen feel, like Manhattan or Annie Hall, through the first part of the film. The continuous fight did start to tire after a while, and I felt that the level of passion the fights got into at times. The characters were just a little too respectful for the level of anger that I think should have been shown in the film. Uh, and before you say it, I did not need to see this movie in black and white. Oh, I could not tell if the mac and cheese was white or yellow. I'm totally at a loss whether or not he's a white cheddar fan or classic orange KD dude. Doesn't matter. And this was something important to me as I was watching it because it was a big part of the movie. No, him eating craft dinner. Only to you. Over Although over it was a big part overall, of the big part of the movie, there's no question. That that scene yeah, kind exactly. of overpowered we, the rest of the movie, really. And I think I think if the you know, the white cheddar was there, it might have brought more uh, cultural awareness because there was layers of of black white uh, controversy through the through the movie. So maybe if we saw him eating actually orange-colored craft dinner, it might have made a difference. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that was part of his criticism. <laughs> Overall, I thought the actors did an outstanding job of this. It is a very personal film. Uh, it got to so many levels of emotion, but somehow I did not feel the flow was so natural. The amount of passion these actors portray, and yet it still felt over-controlled. Also, not a fan of directors who use smoking to try and develop a mood or atmosphere. This is one of my pet peeves. I, I hate the fact that, that 
that directors have to even put smoking into a movie because I don't think it's something we should be portraying for anybody that should be watching this. We should be glorifying cigarettes. Uh, I think it is a cop-out. And it happened too many times to try and change direction. And to me, it didn't add any, any layer at all to the film. I do love the big rage that JDW does. Uh, that felt the most natural of all the arguments and, and, um, and events that happened. The most important question I still have is how many actual bowls of craft dinner do we think he had to eat in the making of this film? I'm really not sure. I don't know, uh, but it was, he was enjoying it, so... He well, ate it. He ate it pretty fast. Yeah, Imagine I would. If he had to have seven, there's like seven. Uh, the way he was enjoying it, if he was into his seventh bowl of craft dinner, or you know, not craft dinner, but whatever macaroni cheese. If he was into his seventh bowl, he would not have been. He wouldn't have been able to be that good an actor to really continue <laughs> to enjoy know. seven bowls in. Know, he'd be maybe. like, <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was an intimate look inside of one night for two lovers. On the most important night of JDW's life, I love the actors. Mm. I love the concept. Mm. I'm not sure I love the film. So, meh. Meh? Yep, it's a meh. All right. It's a hard meh. It's a a, cheese-soaked meh. It's a rock-hard meh. A, a box of Kleenex mats is what that is. Oh my goodness. What All did right. you think, little buddy? What did Bryce think? Well, sir, Malcolm and Marie explores one question and one question only. How many times can we say the exact same thing in about one hour and 45 minutes? I lost count. <laughs> the movie is a repeat of essentially the same scene over and over again. Sometimes in different rooms and sometimes in the same room. We go over the same ground over and over again to the point that these characters that were not very likable to begin with become somewhat irritating. The performances by both Zendaya and John David Washington were both as good as they could be considering the material that they were given to work with. This was a beautiful film to look at and I believe if I was able to watch it with no sound, I probably would have enjoyed it more. Although I will admit, the soundtrack was pretty enjoyable. And what was with the strange focus on the mac and cheese and the scene where Malcolm devours a bowl as if it were the first movie, sorry, the first meal he has had in a week. Watching him stab at the pasta like a madman, stuffing his face while screaming at Marie was something to behold. It was not enjoyable, but it was something to behold. For being such a complete waste of talent, this movie is a rage. Oh, so nice. I hated this movie. It's it was hard to like. I'll get yes. to that. I, I I so to to your point, I'm giving it points because I'm I'm thinking it's definitely more on the lower mass side for me. It's getting a lot of points for me for style. I love the mm. style of this film. Um, but there was too many things to your point that wasn't likable about it. Um, and the dialogue of which that was, you know, like I, it's getting points for both actors. I thought they did great. I think the, the stylistically, am I mad that I, the only thing I really wanted to know is the color of that mac and cheese. Otherwise mm. I, I guess it could, could have stayed black and white. Yeah. If only there was just one color I, I shot. The sound like the red dress the, in, uh, in, 
you know, Schindler's List. The sound guy was working overtime on that mac and cheese scene though because we we heard every stab and clink and clank as the fork like who eats macaroni and cheese like that he's like sitting there it's just stabbing at it and just there's this just big ping every time the fork hits the bowl it's like what is he trying to break the bowl it was crazy it was a frenzied feeding session it was i didn't know what was going on i bet you they did break <laughs> two or three bowls filming that scene because he's just going to know how many bowls he's going he crazy <laughs> yeah, there was a there was a lot of rage going on. I was I was so looking forward to this. You know that I I absolutely love John David Washington, and every time oh, yeah, so do I. every time yep. he's in a movie, I'm like, we got to see it, we got to see it. And this was super super disappointing. You know what's the most disappointing about this? No, he's got to start all over. Yeah, I know. I, right when I when I when I made this a rage, I was like, ah, crap, because he was he was on his way to being undoubted, and now he's he's at square one. He's at square one, baby. That's what you uh, get. I just want to go. I just want to kind of know, and we can maybe talk about this on uh, on the list. In fact, let's talk about it a little bit on the list where he would have been if this would have even been a mess. Because the last one was a Mondo, yep. right? So it's, <laughs> oh, yeah. interesting. Well, that's probably enough. We talked about that. Uh, I think I might have some craft dinner for supper tonight. And I'm going to have orange, just so people know. <sighs> yeah, I prefer the orange over the white cheddar. That is spectacular. I'm sure everybody is quite pleased that you're going to have some orange macaroni and cheese. Well, except for the people who are on team white cheddar. I don't know. Yeah, I'm on team no cheddar. I'm vegan. That's true. Yeah, but you can have fake feet. Your favorite your favorite vegan uh, queso sauce is orange. I'm just saying. <laughs> right? It's orange queso. It's not <sighs> white queso. So let's move on. So from there we go to Bliss. From 2021. Now, there's a bunch of movies named Bliss, um, but this one is yeah. the one from 2021. It's currently on Prime, and it's the one uh, with Owen Wilson and Selma Hayek. So, there's, as I say, yeah. there's about six or seven of them out there. Uh, yes. This movie was part fantasy, part drama, part slapstick comedy. Bliss is a collision of genres that never quite hits its target dead on in any of the categories it touches upon. It is an ambitious film from director-writer Mike Cahill. Owen Wilson and Salma Hayek are well cast as Greg and Isabel. They do their best to make sense of this high-concept fiasco about a man who gets fired from his job, meets a street person who convinces him nothing is real, and then I just sort of lost track. I was completely invested in the first few minutes as we spend some time with Greg at work in the moments leading up to his termination from his employment. This whole sequence was tremendously entertaining and I, my hopes were like through the roof in the first few minutes of this movie. But from there we had a lot of dots to connect but I'm not sure if they actually ever did connect. The trailer for this promised one of two things. This was either going to be a train wreck of a movie or it had the potential to be fantastic. Neither of these possible pro uh, promises came to fruition. It was not bad. It was not great. It had a lot of heart, even though much of it made little sense. The fact that I cared about Greg and Isabel made me view this mess of a movie with a generous eye. 
They made me forgive the confusion and the convoluted, incomplete concept to the point that I was kind of enjoying myself. This mess of a movie was meh. Oh, well, uh, Bill Nye, the science guy. What the hell was he doing it? Very often. Yeah. What, what? We don't get to say that very often. Usually it's, it's Bill the, Nye, the, the, the acting, acting guy. guy. Yeah. He was just a total distraction, by the way. He was a big surprise, though. I didn't. He's a distraction. A it, he didn't add anything. He just shows up, and it's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, he what, played what a is, science guy. Yeah, he played a science guy badly. He's, uh, he is yeah, not so, an actor. So the fact that he was in that movie, they should have. Uh, they should have got Bill Nye, the acting guy. That's uh, that's my review. Bill Nye was in this movie, and it was a surprise. There you go. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> well, I think there's a little bit of rage here I want to throw in. Go for uh, it. I like the whole Matrix feel of the film for the first five minutes. Yep. Almost a blatant ripoff of, at the beginning, actually. I like the way we were kept confused in everything that was happening. But the story did not seem to draw you in as much as I felt it should have. Yep. You have this feeling the whole time that... Selma Hayek's character is leading him along, but at some point in the film, neither of the main characters have enough substance or likability to care where the story goes. Yeah, see, that's I so, disagree. Yeah, no, I I could care less about either of them. I was like, can one of them please die? I don't care which. No. The sci-fi of the film and the drama side of the film don't seem to flow together at all. Yep. Like twenty-seven minutes left, they finally remind you that maybe there's another reality. And then they bring back Owen Wilson's daughter, and you're kind of like, "What? Like, is what? I don't like what's happening here." And and by the time she does come back, I'm just like, "Whatever. Who cares? Like, I don't really care anything what's happening in this movie." Owen's character remembers his daughter, but then he stops thinking about her for no apparent reason. Uh, and let's can we please just talk about Selma Hayek acting in this? She was awful. She was fine. I don't know how you cared about her. I she liked was her. Awful. There was times there was times when they showed her when they were in that um the hell was it called? Her tent city that she built for herself. Yeah. And I'm like, who's acting here? This is so terrible. Nah. I'm like, you don't she's have good. like are you trying to show no emotion or any it was go back and watch just the scenes when she's in there. It's I, like, watched, so I don't need to watch it again. It was fine. It's <laughs> Just watch that. She was nah, terrible. She was fine. It's a bunch of unfinished stuff and random occurrences. They try to tie up at the end, but then nothing really gets tied up. I love the whole not knowing what to expect in movies. This is a big theme that I love. But this was just mostly unsatisfying. It was good to see Owen back in the saddle, but this film was barely watchable. It gets a low man. And I'm going to say, if you can convince me, even a little... I could be completely convinced to make this a rage. Yeah, I can't convince you to make it a rage because it, it is a mess. Come on, give me some more. To, to be honest, a little bit. this this gets to meh just because of the first, like the whole first scene in the office, all the way up to him being in the bar, all the way up to his his boss falling out the window. Yeah. And, and up until that point, this looked like it was going to be genius because at that point, I, I'm in. Yeah, I'm like, this is going to be fantastic. And then it kind of fell off a cliff. That was about, I'd have to be like, what, nine, maybe nine or ten minutes total. Maybe in. if we're lucky. Yeah. 
And then, and, and then Kate, and then there were just the like little, the end? then there were little flashes here and there where there were little scenes that I kind of enjoyed, but you're right. Like nothing really ties together. It's very confusing. It's, it's, incom it's, it's incomplete. Um, Selma Hayek was fine. I actually did. I liked Bill. I like Bill Nye. Oh, she needed to not be in this movie. That was that was that almost made it a rage for me. It's like, what? You, why? <laughs> this is such I mean, a distraction. He didn't even talk about climate change. Yeah, he didn't even talk about climate it was just, change. It was a weird cameo. Anyway, but, but wait, but wait, what's, what, what the fuck what? is the meeting that he's in at the end? What's what? the what is the meeting he's at the end? Is it Alcoholics Anonymous? Is it Drug Anonymous? Is it? mental illness anonymous like what what is that meeting at the end it's like doesn't even make sense the final shot did not make it any better like i'm just like why i like the final shot no it didn't make any sense and yeah, it didn't it add fine. anything to the movie yeah, it was no it's poopy yeah whatever Selma hayek's gross in this movie she's just fine i don't know what you saying <laughs> I don't know what Fine. you're talking about. Gross. You, watch her you know not of what you speak. She's bag. just fine. All right, sir. Ooh. What's that? It's cool music. It's actually our Cuff music. What? We watched something from Cuff? Yeah, we did. Cuff had an off-the-cuff event. Awesome. And for those who don't know, they can find our friends at Cuff at Cal it's uh, CalgaryUndergroundFilm.org. There you go. Thank God you're organized. I tell you. Uh, so we got to see PVT Chat. Hmm. Jack is an internet gambler living in New York City who becomes fixated on Scarlett, a cam girl from San Francisco. His obsession reaches a boiling point when fantasy materializes in, in reality and Jack sees Scarlett on a rainy Chinatown street. Whoa. Uh, director, writer, Ben Hosey, maybe? Or Hosey? Hosey. All right, perfect. And unlike IMDb, it stars Julia Fox and Peter Back. Yes. Now, I mean, I love spending two hours watching a guy watching his computer for two hours as much as the next person. Really? I mean, let's face it. Uh, I found it very COVID adjacent friendly. The quick shots and edits made it feel very rushed and manic at times. Very gritty and underground feeling. I love the fact that our lead basically eats, plays poker and masturbates to cam girls through the entire movie. Kind of sounds like a lifestyle I could get used to. Mm. Um, well, actually, maybe not. I think it. I think it was actually quite a depressing lifestyle. But you know, uh, insert now my time for rage. At me not being able to spend my days doing that. Grr. Grr. Yes. Uh, I need to inform that I really actually like the lead actor playing Jack. And yet, again, as I mentioned, IMDb does an awful job. As he is listed as the 28th person in the cast list. Eh, whatever. Peter Vac, IMDb, 
He is the star. So change your fucking programming and quit being so stupid. FYI, stars in a movie should be the first person that appears on your list. I'm just saying. Mm. Uh, hashtag mic check. Uh, my favorite part of the movie is when he's talking to Scarlett. And you get the impression he's been talking to her for quite a while. And he says, Scarlett, do you mind if I introduce you to Will and Larry? <laughs> and all of a sudden they pan over and, and he, Will and Larry are right And he there turns and he his computer around. Hey, Scarlett. <laughs> hey, 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 Scarlett. So I completely weird. lost my shit at that point. I was laughing my ass off. And it was so fucking hilarious. Yeah. I got to say, I, I started to get tired of the story with the whole cam girl chat. Normally I would spend no more than 4.5 minutes watching any cam girl scene. If you can catch what I'm saying. So I was happy to see the story just at the time where I was starting to go into a complete rage that the film started to open up a little bit. So finally we get to the end, the skipping past all the middle part. Uh, mm. So uh, we get to the end and then it turns into a penthouse forum letter uh, portion of the movie. Apparently good things come to those who wait, perhaps. Oh, uh, and it will only cost you $10,000. So, uh, it did check a lot of boxes, though. Uh, it had male masturbation and nudity. It had female masturbation and nudity. It had cam sex. It had deceit. It had ghosting. It had stalking. It had gland larceny. It had redemption. Oh, right. And, of course, it had penthouse forum rewards letters. And finally, it has a meh for a rating. Fits what you would expect for the plot, I guess, knowing that it's a movie about a guy who watches cam girls and plays poker. A couple of parts were pretty interesting. Glad I saw it, uh, but it's still just a man. Full on master nation is a bit of a surprise. And expect, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't love this movie. I wanted to. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so it's a man. Okay. <laughs> well. PBT chat doesn't really have any direction. There is no explanation to the motivations of any of the characters. I watched Jack for the entire film and I'm not sure I know him any better than in the first few minutes. The motivations of Scarlet are inconceivable as towards the end, she must realize that everything she had thought about Jack was not true, which leads to the question, why is she so keen to be with this loser? This was a strange movie with relationships that made no sense as not one of the characters was developed enough to let me understand any of the decisions they were making. From Jack to Scarlet, from Larry to Duke, to Henry the Landlord, none of these characters made sense. None of them rang true. None of them were believable. Had this movie developed the characters at all, had it made me understand the motivations of these characters, had it made me even care a little, it could have avoided what I'm about to say. PVT chat was a rage. Ooh, there you go. Hated this movie. So you're saying, didn't you like the end part where no. there was like a lot of masturbating happening? It made, nothing made sense. I'm sitting there like <clears throat> nothing made sense. <laughs> what fantasy world does the person who wrote, wrote that write this? I, I, I can't even talk. It just, it made no sense. It was a penthouse forum letter. I told you that already. Well, it's basically, he wrote the penthouse forum letter and then he made a movie about it. 
Okay. Well, it was awful. <laughs> it was good to see what's her head though julia fox she was in um yeah, in, yeah. In, uh, uncut gems she was uh adam yeah, yeah. sandler's girlfriend in that and she's yeah, uh, i, like, I kind of I, 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 I kind of like her i i kind of want to see her in more stuff well but that is the I, I only thing i took out of this <laughs> just i want to see more julia fox you can have this lead actor whatever the hell his name was what was his name again his name happens to be peter vack jack in the movie yeah but his real name yes peter, peter. vack yeah i, I got <laughs> i i like him I, i've always liked yeah. him as an actor yeah. i yeah he all, played the creepy is rage playing rage. poor lover rage for, you know rage <sighs> but it had cam rage. sex and nudity rage. and masturbation rage masturbation rage. you don't see that all the time rage did the did the Rage. last seven minutes of the movie surprise Rage. you when they had the full on nothing made sense Santos Farm finale? Yeah, it was stupid, just like the rest of the movie. <laughs> well, I couldn't have seen it ending any other way, so it ended exactly like I expected. That's fantastic. Well, I'm I'm glad you didn't hate it, but I did. Okay, well, no I more did, masturbation for you. Didn't want to. I want to like it. Couldn't. I wanted to love it, actually. Because it was rage. <laughs> All right. If this don't sing human rights, I don't know what does. <laughs> I know. All right. So, 18th annual Human Rights Festival. Sorry, Human Rights Film Festival. Uh, we'll be going from February 18th to February 22nd. Uh, we'll probably put some sort of link so you can get right to it on our uh, on our page there uh, for uh, wherever you are uh, downloading this podcast from. Um, but if uh, I'm trying to read, it's hard this, to read. It is. It is f f. You know what? I am just going to put the link on there so that you can. Because it so is, it is, it. it is quite a convoluted address. So I will definitely put the uh, the link on our on our uh, page there. And it's kind of hard to find, actually. Like it's not easy to yeah. just go search this out. It's yeah. a little bit, it's a little bit tough to find. So uh, we are actually going to do one movie this week, and then we're going to review another one next week. It's, I believe, the plan. Yes, it is. So let's get on with this week. So this week we watched. Maxima. And it's nothing to do with Romans either. No, nothing at all. So, Maxima. Oh, I knew he was going to take a header and he finally did. For those of you watching on YouTube, potato, Mr. Potato, potato just he just ended it all. All right. For those of you not watching on YouTube, well, I guess you missed out. Uh, Maxima Acuna is a fearless Peruvian farmer who is forced to protect her land from one of the largest gold producers in the world, U.S.-based Newmont Mining Corporation. This depicts her struggle for justice. It is a story of human rights violations and environmental crimes committed by corporations in the pursuit of profit. Check that. What this really is about is is one of the toughest women that you'll ever meet who refuses to give up in the fight for what is right. This is another documentary that depicts the corporations of this world wielding the power of the dollar in order to get anything they want. In this particular case, it involves the violent intimidation of a Peruvian farmer. 
And it's not only Newmont that she has to fight, but also the police and government that should be protecting her, protecting her, as well as the World Bank, which is also supposed to be looking out for her interests. The fact that she is able to stand up to the overwhelming, overwhelming opposition that was placed in front of her makes for a tremendous subject for a documentary, but more importantly shines a light on the evils that go on in our civilized world. This is an important film that I hope our listeners will find a way to take to make time for. Overall, this is a very depressing film, but the fact that Maxima will not give up. That's not the music. <laughs> that's not the music that either. Is <laughs> But the fact that Maxima will not give up makes it also inspiring. Maxima, the film, as well as Maxima, the person, Armando. Well, <clears throat> I am going to... Man, did I stumble through that. That was pathetic. But anyways, go on. Eh, not the worst. Thing Tripping over today. my words today. I apologize <laughs> to our listeners. I just cannot get a straight Mr. sentence out. Mr. Potato did a swan dive off the desk and mm. landed on his cute little head yes so you know the fact that you were stumbling a little bit maybe you're just your heart is out because you're missing your you know, uh little horsey while you're talking i'm gonna just check on mr potato make sure he's okay all righty well plus i'm gonna do a shitload of swearing in this uh so maxima uh first off i'm fucking pissed uh what the fuck world bank or u.s corporations or evil companies in general. This doc seems to be, in my opinion, missing a few ingredients of all the facts, uh, but it made its point and I'm fucking pissed. Maxima is a sweet potato farming sheep herder just trying to live her life and big business is, as usual, telling people they have people's best interest in heart, but really it's just big business fucking over people and I'm definitely yes to water and no to gold. Obviously, we are not seeing the full story while watching this doc. But it's obvious if they build a fence, why don't you stay on your side and let Maxima stay on hers? The land is vast and stretches for miles. So it is really just because they can. Is this, this is the whole reason why they don't need her land. There's like thousands and thousands of of miles of land that they could have gone and get but they're making a point that you know we're gonna fuck over maxima because we can't did they really need her parcel of land no this film made me angry i'm so tired of seeing the same story unfold all over the world i fucking hate the world bank they are evil and don't think that they're not they are one of the most evil organizations on the planet so everybody just please know that I fucking hate money over people in general everywhere. I fucking hate that this happens more than it should and that we should have to still be talking about this in the world that we live in today. Newmont Corp is just made my top 10 most unethical companies with the likes of DuPont, Monsanto, and Nestle. And I'm not afraid to say their names, although maybe one day if I disappear, it's one of those three or perhaps now Newmont Corp. I just want to say fuck you all. This movie was a powerful David and Goliath doc. I think there were some missing pieces, but it did the job it was set out to do because I'm pissed off, full of rage, and for this reason alone, it gets a mondo. Yep. I want to unpack a couple of things. Uh, first off, World Bank has a model 
and they talk about this in the movie yeah. of helping people it's or helping countries it's and a- it's completely against what they're doing yep and talk, their aspects talk is cheap and hey what's the thing with water supplies like I don't understand like I'm just so confused that you can have a country or maybe it's a province within um, Chile that if they're testing the water and it's becoming toxic for the people that are drinking it like why like I don't get it it's just the corruption of just being bought off to have all your people dying it's like the whole thing of Flint again right mm-hmm. it's kind of like I'm sorry like these people are paying your taxes and and then this is how you reward them by letting them all get sick on the water they're drinking like it just it fundamentally makes me angry that water is so important to the world and and these docs need to be shown to your point earlier people need to see these docs to know that they don't have to be alone and i have to, a lot of credit to the organization that supports her through this because she doesn't have money like she lives off of she makes her own sweaters man it's like i kind of want to kind of wish i haven't really looked into it yet but i kind of want to find out if maxim is making sweaters i can buy online because her sweaters are freaking awesome they are right i mean that wool must be pretty damn sweet yeah there is a there is a website too actually for uh to support maxima i believe um that i stumbled across so we might we might put that link did on you there see too. one where we could buy her sweater i i didn't did actually see? i i didn't have time to really get into the to what was what was actually on it but uh i mean this is a woman that I mean, she's trying to farm potatoes and other crops, and they keep coming and fucking up her crops. And then, you know, she she's shearing her sheep with her husband. I think that's her husband. It they is. didn't really talk much about him. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was her husband. She's shearing her sheep and turning does everything by hand. And you think of what she's charging. Like, at, well, I think it was sixty bucks for one sweater, and I'm like, handmade sweater for sixty bucks. Yes. She probably dyes the, the wool herself, too. I would imagine. Yeah. So, uh, as usual, I'm angry. You know what that means. I do know what that means. Temperature rising. Vision blurring. Rage taking over. What is my rage this week? My rage is streaming capabilities. I don't understand why we don't have a database somewhere. Why has this not been invented yet? Like Netflix came out from renting DVDs through online delivery service. And it did a lot to move forward the whole streaming services. But the fact that we try to, we still are trying to see crossroads to have me feel the rage of that. But there's so many movies that you may want to see and you still can't get access to them. It's like if you didn't buy it when it came out or you didn't, uh, or you're going to try and stream it illegally. Like, why is there not a streaming service? It's like there's a whole bunch of little pieces of streaming services. But why isn't there a location that you can get everything? Like, just Prime or um, Apple or like these super multi-billion dollar organizations not have enough money to get build a database big enough for us to be able to see any movie we want at any given time 
I don't get it. I just don't like we live in a world driven by cars that can potentially drive themselves. And yet we can't get an access to a stupid movie like Crossroads or we can't get any access to uh, Korean films without having to join 17 different uh, streaming sites to be able to win one different movie on each one of those different sites. It's just it's frustrating and it makes me angry. And uh, uh, that's my rage. I'm pissed. I, I want to be able to see whatever movie I want and have it come through a clean channel that I can see it in HD or in 4K or whatever I want to see it in because if they exist, why can we not get it? That's my rage. Fair enough. Uh, that would be nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, we live in a world where everything's licensed and to get it all together on one platform, I, uh, I, I wish it were a possibility, but I just, I just don't see it. Well, I'm sure it's based on clicks, right? Like, if you want to go buy rent old content on Netflix, every time someone clicks on that, yeah, Netflix but they, they have link, an they have an agreement the, with the company that has that movie. And okay, but what about movies you rent from Apple TV or you rent from uh, Prime? Yeah, that's, right. That's, They're getting paid. It's no different. Like, they can have the content. They don't get paid unless someone rents it. Yeah. So, so if you, but if so, then you'd have to get every company to agree to be on this one platform where they can get the, uh, I, I hope uh, sounds good to me, but yeah, I don't know. It I should don't happen. That, I'm just saying, I don't it, disagree. It, be, it absolutely should happen. I'm not sure. Elon Musk, stop giving money to Bitcoin and do, do this instead. instead. 1.5 billion could go a pretty long way to getting all those, uh, Korean and Japanese films would, that we want to see. I would imagine it could. All what right. So, all right. My rage this week. The Golden Globes nominations were announced, and in the best actor category, Riz Ahmed was nominated for Sound of Metal. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't sound like a rage at all, does it? No, it doesn't at all. My rage is not that I he... I agree. My rage was, is not that he was nominated, but instead that his performance that was by far, by far the best performance of the year, and it was not even close, has zero chance of winning. At risk of sounding unpopular, it is obvious that they are going to give the trophy... To Chadwick Boseman, whose performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was very, very good, but it wasn't even in the same league as Riz Ahmed's performance. The sentimental vote is going to screw Ahmed out of a trophy that should be his, and did I mention, it's not even close. Only time will tell if I'm right, but I'm sure I am, but I sure hope that I'm not. That's my rage. So, just so I'm sure I understand this right. Yes. You're raging about something that's not actually happened yet. Yes, because I'm so happen. sure it's going to happen. The sentimental <laughs> vote's going to come in. He only got nominated because, unfortunately, he passed. And it's going to screw a guy that... I think this is maybe well, like my top 10 performances of all time in my book was his performance in Sound of Metal. Riz Ahmed opened my eyes to like, holy crap, this guy 
is one of the best actors going today. And he was great. He should clean up every award, anything he's nominated for, he should just get because there was no one that was even close to him this year. And he's gonna and he's gonna lose to a subpar performance from an amazing guy, from an amazing actor. But it's not it shouldn't be a popularity contest, and I know it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to. You know it's going to. I'm pretty sure it is going to, but yeah. I stopped raging about about awards shows I know. multiple years ago when I stopped watching them because the only the only person's opinion that I care about is mine. There's every <laughs> yep, but you got to admit every now and then someone gets nominated where you're like, oh, they they really do deserve that that spotlight on them yeah. because you know that that spotlight yep. on them is going to lead to more good stuff for them. Which is going to lead yeah. to me seeing them in more good movies. So, and yeah, this, is, this is a launch point. Anyway. This is the launch point for that. And I know he's been you're in other stuff. And I see him more anyway. I am, but he's he's not going to have the same opportunities as he would have had he got that Isn't stupid he? little trophy. Yes, that's Isn't you know that. You know that stupid little trophy leads to big things for people. You know, we it's true, but I mean, we also know people that are on our undoubted list that are making choices based on the content of the movie and not whether or not it's a box office. The point is, box office. the point is his, his, his choice of movies goes from getting five or six scripts a month to getting 50 and he can choose the best. And, and he will, I, I guarantee that between him and his agent and however it works, they're going to yeah. choose just challenging, awesome projects. And I, uh, anyways, I just you're, you're feeling poopy about it. I get I it. I am because this. I hate award shows. I predicted that right after we saw that, that this guy's going to win the, the Academy Award this year for Best Actor, and, and I believe. And seen then Ma Rainey yet. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Ma Rainey comes out, and I'm like, and in the back of my head, I honestly was thinking, God, I hope he doesn't get nominated for this because if he does, it's going to screw Rizamed, and I think that that. <laughs> That thought in the back of my head is going to come to fruition. <sighs> uh, I, the Sound of Metal was a Mondo, and Ma Rainey was a Matt. So well, okay, they were both Mondos, <laughs> but <laughs> no. But Sound of Metal was like a <laughs> super dupe. It was more Mondo, and it had the it <laughs> it had like one of the best performances ever. Like he was so unbelievably good. And well, I'm he, not, I don't and, argue with one word you're saying. And he's going to come away with nothing because stinking Chadwick Boseman. I feel like such an ass saying it. Stinking <laughs> Chadwick Boseman. He's going to get nominated for a performance. That, it's good, <laughs> but come on. Anyways, yep. I love Chadwick Boseman. I, you know, this just isn't the performance that should win any type of award. It was very good performance. And maybe in a very... You know, in a subpar year, it could win an award, but Riz Ahmed was mind-bogglingly good, and he deserves. I think suffice to say, the recognition. Award shows are gross. Yeah, and well, I, and I and I hate them too. That's yeah, <laughs> not exactly what I said, but I'm I'm not I'm not digging them. Although on on a little side note, La Llorona got nominated for best foreign film at the Golden Globes, which is really cool because I don't think. I would I would venture to say, and I, I looked it up, it is a Shudder original. So I venture to Please. say that Shudder has never been nominated for any award yeah, of that I don't stature. Think they have. 
and that is yeah. that is freaking awesome for Shutter. For those of you that don't have Shutter, it's such a good deal. You should check it out. Yeah, it's so reasonably priced. And I'm supposed to be raging right now, but I guess uh, you know I've, I've calmed myself down now. So let's uh... rage subsiding. Breathe, Bryce. Breathe. Well, well, well. The moment that the internet has been waiting for its entire life. From its existence. From the existence of the interweb, we have the first mesmerize off in film rage history. For those of you who don't remember last week, we challenged ourselves what would happen if two mesmerized actors were in the same movie together? Would there be a mesmerize off? And today you're going to find out, people. Yes. This kind of this is kind of weird. This is kind of weird because we're doing this, but it's also on our rage or dare. So I'm not even sure what the format. Well, like, what what, what are we doing here? We are going to talk about who is more mesmerizing in this movie. All right. And then we'll talk about the movie after. A little so, later. So, that's right. so Doggy Doug's getting a lot of love today. Well, maybe not love. But <laughs> yeah, maybe not love is not the right word. <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of time on our podcast. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I was feeling there was a little bit of a sandwich happening in this, in this mesmerize off. I don't yeah. know if you felt the same way. Did was- you feel the sandwich? There was a sandwich? What was the sandwich? I'm going to say the no, I didn't. Was, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, you have Willem Dafoe, the, the first loaf of bread that's in the sandwich, has his amazing, mesmerizing performance in the beginning of the movie. Mm. And then you've and then you've got Nicolas Cage finishing the loaf of bread later with a, a chunky Texas-sized style toast mm. crushed of mesmerizing. Yeah, it was it, you know what? That's that's true. There was there was a big time mesmerizing scene at the beginning with Defoe. Cage did yep. did did uh, end it with it. And in the middle, they were they were going at it pretty good. They they, they were both they were both trying to be mesmerizing, and it was there was lots of scenes with them both in it. It was there was a few that it yeah. was okay. So the battle was on. Else. It's almost as if they yeah. knew that it was going to come down to this moment right now. To this moment, and okay, so. So, you know what made this even better? What's that? Is I think it elevated the whole acting by Christopher Matthew Cook. Yeah, he had to try to keep up, man. And he did, man. He held his own. He was good. I, I almost, when we were watching it, I felt like, okay, so if I had to measure this from the whole movie, I actually think Christopher Matthew Cook out-mesmerized the two of them. No, I'm not going that far. <laughs> That's just crazy talk. You've lost your amazing. damn mind. He didn't have moments of greatness. He had the meat, or should I say, the vegan tofurkey in the sandwich between mm. these two mesmerizing actors. He was, he was, he was, he was steady, but mesmerizing might be overstating it. Having said that, he wasn't out of place. He wasn't out of place. I'm just no. baffled that this movie, directed by uh, whatever his name was. The guy's what's made some, face? yeah. What he directed by? What's his face? 
He's been he's directed like lots of good stuff, but he's also directed lots of crap. Like there's it's like no in between with him. Um I wish I could remember his name. It's just left me completely. But. I'll tell you what his name is. Yeah, Paul don't... Schrader. Paul Schrader, yeah. I mean you look at his list of movies and some stuff it's like, wow, how is that the yes. guy same guy that made that and movie? Wrote, and he wrote Taxi Driver. I so know. What does that tell you? I know. He's like there's like brilliance in this guy, and then he just completely misfires every now and then. Uh, not that... Well, yeah, this was kind of a misfire. <laughs> uh, back We're going to talk more about that in a minute. Yes, we are. Have you got a name? Have you got a solid name? Yeah. I, I, if, if, it, if we're going head-to-head, Nicolas Cage, Willem Dafoe, in this movie, I'm sorry, but that opening scene overshadows everything else. Willem Dafoe is my choice uh, in the Mesmerize Off. Well... I hate to say it, but we're not going to lose somebody today because I picked Cage. Oh! I, loved, I absolutely love Defoe at the front, and I think he had five minutes of mesmerizing. Oh no! But then I when he got that. next, when he got next to Cage, and he got next to oh, Matthew no. Cook, oh, he, his no. character got lost. No, he had no, the whole no, last, no, no, the whole no, last no. part before he takes his 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 little nap. Yeah. Uh, I I gotta disagree. I think that his his care he didn't he lost his. He lost his buzz. Oh, no. Uh, just No, nah, he didn't keep it. I, I disagree. And he, he didn't even have to be talking. I mean, just you just have to look at Nicholas. Or not Nicholas. Uh, you got to look at Willem Dafoe's face and just his expressions. In a scene that where nothing's going on, you look at Willem Dafoe's face and there's lots going on. And the guy's the king of expressions. It's just... He is, yeah. He is mesmerizing. Even when... You know, Cage was doing his thing, standing beside Willem Dafoe, kind of doing nothing, but kind of doing a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I was well, still looking at Dafoe, even though Cage I was going off. I wasn't. I, uh, well, you know what? The, the good thing about this. Or is we didn't lose either of them. We didn't lose them either because <laughs> we couldn't agree unanimously. There if you it go. would have been. A Defoe Defoe, so, or Nikki would have been gone. So it may be a little anticlimactic, but the the, uh, the rage off, or the sorry, the mesmerized off, has ended in a dead heat. <laughs> yeah, there is but no you winner. Know what this does is there's there's a future for us to because we've got a pretty big mesmerized list. Yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna be looking for it every time that there you know there's a couple of them on there because. I yeah. mean, I love our mesmerized list, but it's kind of getting out of hand. There are so many freaking people. Well, a, I think it's time to start. There's a lot of good mesmerized yeah. people on our list. Yeah. Right. At some point, well, we might we might have to do like a maybe put it to the fans and do like a you know a bracket where we put some mesmerized people head to head and and uh, see if we can narrow the list down a little bit because yeah. it's well, think, it's huge. You know we still got 50 more years of podcasting together. Yes. So at some point these people are going to act together. Indeed. Except for the ones that are now dead. Yeah, the dead ones. They're they're probably they're probably not going to be any more movies. I, I hope they are. They bring them back. I, I hope, I hope yeah, they find a role. Them. Yeah. You might be seeing Carrie Fisher for the rest of our lives. There you go. All right. Do you have okay, anything else? Well, let's, no, I think no. that's a good one. That's right. good for for this week. All right. Uh, because we still get to talk about this. Yeah. Let's movie. talk about Dog Eat Dog some more, starring Nicolas Cage okay. and uh, what's his head? So last week on Rager Dare, we started this fantastic mesmerized challenge 
But now we get to discuss the film that almost made history. Oh, joy. Dog Eat Dog, which both Bryce and I had to view. This week, Bryce can either dig back into the sex bag, also known as the dare bag, careful not to get your hands moist when you reach in, Bryce. Hmm. Let's check in with Bryce and see what he thought about the almost history-making mesmerize-off film called Dog Eat Dog. <laughs> wow, that was quite the maniacal laugh. Wasn't it? It was. All right, doggy dog. There is a certain amount of joy that occurs when watching Defoe and Cage in the same movie. For that reason, it's hard to imagine a movie that has both of them could be a rage. And this movie <laughs> proves it as, you know, it wasn't a rage. It wasn't good, but it had enough Cage and Defoe making wild eyes at the camera for it to be entertaining. Both are in fine form, trying out do the other in most of their scenes together. The opening sequence with Defoe at his crazy best was enough to make this movie worth watching. This was an all aboard the Willem and Nick crazy train. Meh. Ah, uh, that's disappointing. Mm. Uh, I got the feeling that Willem Defoe's character is bright in the future, except for the gutting of the fish part. He's got the sandals with socks, which is something I could totally see Bryce doing. Absolutely not. Along with his ever-loving high-intensity level of rage, which Bryce carries with him everywhere he goes. Okay. I love that he, in the middle of a murder spree, upgrades from knife to gun, then does a line of coke. <laughs> the first five minutes, I was having a super major mondogasm, and I thought, what, what happens with this week? Like the first five minutes of these movies are great. I know. Then we get to minute six. Why are we peaking in the first five minutes? You know, why did the intensity of the first five minutes not continue through the entire movie? I love the homemade police car. That was Uh, awesome. I forgot to mention that. That was so good. So, so far, let's take a, just take a recount. I liked the first five minutes and then I liked... The police car, and then I liked Nick Cage. So three things. I like three things. Yeah. Uh, lesson of the movie: Don't bring a gun into a grocery store, because guess what? It might seem suspicious. So this started as a mondo. For most of the movie, simmered into low math for a lot of it. But what the fuck was that ending? This pushed me just a little too far over the edge. Ending was it, bad. It's like the movie ended back when Nick Cage got a car drag. But no, that wasn't the end. I wish it was, because then I could be on the same board as you. This would have been a mess. But movie magic happens. I don't know how that instantly happens, but movie magic just sprinkles its way into the movie somehow. And it seemed like it was a really bad edit. Like, we missed a whole (laughs) chunk of movie somewhere. And then it becomes a whole new movie. It's like, hey, let's just start a new movie and see what happens now. Yes, they started a whole new movie, and he is reincarnated into Humphrey Bogart, which made no sense. The music final score was UG, deep and wide. What the fuck was that? What the hell happened? I don't understand what happened at the end of this movie. It made zero sense to the entire movie. Yeah, it ended me in an entire solid rage. I meant it had some quirk to it, 
that was enjoyable for sure, but not even the double-headed dildo of mesmerizing could save this film from the ending rage that this ensued. Started with William Defoe leading the mesmerizing until halfway through the film, and then Willem passes the baton to mesmerizing Nick to take us to the end of the film. I felt at times it may have even been, I'm going to say it again, Christopher Matthew Cook, sandwich of mesmerizing. My favorite line, I worked in a cannery. I got a special knife to cut fish. Otherwise, this was a solid rage for me. I hated almost everything about this movie, except for the two mesmerizing characters and the little baby mesmerized by Christopher Matthew Cook. There you go. It was awful. I just want to talk about the director for a little bit, Paul Schrader. Okay, why don't you? I don't understand how he can have absolutely works of freaking genius. Like, I'm talking not good movies, great movies, and just some stuff that's just bleh. Like, I don't understand. William Friedkin. <laughs> he, yeah. I mean, he directed First Reformed. With Ethan Hawke, which is amazing. He did that right after Dog Eat Dog. I mean, it's not like <laughs> there was like like a 10-year gap or anything. Like These are the movies he did back-to-back. One is amazing. Yeah. And one, I'm given a meh just because I was so mesmerized. By, by five by, minutes. By, yeah. So, it's weird. He, he, you have to stop doing that. A whole movie means an hour and 40 five minutes or two ah, hours there was other stuff was. as you mentioned of, the, of pol- the police car had me laughing for about 20 minutes after it happened i was still giggling <laughs> was about that good. police car that was but you can't you uh, can't count three things there was three things that were they're great about adding this, up jim the they're terrible. adding up they're adding up to a oh, man oh god you're just you're just being too generous this is also well, the guy that made the walker with um uh yeah 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 what's his name the uh, uh, zombie land guy Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yep. Why, I know who you're talking I am, about. I am drawing blanks today. What? Woody Harrelson. How can I forget Woody Harrelson's name? Yeah, well, I knew. <laughs> At any rate, yeah. You know, he made cat. He made cat people. He made Dominion, which a lot of people didn't like, but I thought it was fine. It was the Exorcist yep. prequel. I thought it was actually yep. quite good. I mean, he just made yep. so much good stuff, but then he, he makes like Dog Eat Dog. He makes um, Dying of the Light, which was awful. He made Adam Resurrected, mm-hmm. which was awful. He made Affliction, yep. which was good. He made Touch, which was good. But it, yeah, yeah. it's just like there's no in-between with him. It's either it's just god-awful or... Freakin' Syndrome. He has Freakin' Syndrome. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> First, he makes like the best movie in the entire world, but one of the best movies of all time, and then comes back later and makes a terrible movie. Yeah. All right. So... <sighs> Whose turn you, is you, it? It's you. And what do I got to do? I think you can choose dare, actually. If you want, you can go back to the dare bag. Of the uh, I don't even know where the dare bag is. I'm going to choose whatever bag this is. This isn't the dare bag. I think this is your bag, isn't it? It kind of looks like it. It looks like very printed cardstock, kind of my style. All right. Super classy and full of. So I guess I'm reaching into Jim's bag. Although that seems risky. I know the dare bag. I'm probably going to get something awesome. But I I honestly don't Eh. see it on my messy desk here. So we're going to go with Jim's bag. I'm excited. I'm so excited. Okay. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. 
It's perfect timing because it's the set part two is coming out very soon. It's coming to America. Oh yeah, coming! Oh, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> uh, oh baby, coming I'm to so America. Excited. Uh, this uh, yeah. It's literally one of the worst movies ever made. I bet I, I know. I know. I watched it when it came out. I don't remember it all. I I think Arsenio Hall's in it too, which is a reason not to watch it. Um. But, but uh, on the on the brighter note, this is one of Murray's favorite Eddie Murphy movies. So oh, is it? Think about Murray as you're watching. This. Oh, okay. So you, that's going to give you preparedness for how terrible it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's not making me think it's going to be any better. Um, <laughs> it's got. Well, all I got to say is it's got to be better than the last piece of crap Eddie Murphy movie that I had to watch in this. That was uh, what was it? Norbit. Nor- Norbit. Norbit. Yeah, Norbit. Norbit. That was. That was just a mean, ugly movie. That was uh, I felt dirty. Well, I felt dirty get after ready, watching that movie. Get ready for something that's just as bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- there's no way it's as bad as Norbit. There's just no way it couldn't be. I guess we'll find out. I guess we will. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to it. <laughs> Eddie Murphy, he's a funny guy. He's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. <laughs> so coming to America. Stay tuned next week. I will tell you exactly what I think of it. Wow. What an action-packed week. Thanks, Ragers, for listening. Thanks to the extended filmary crew of Leonard Conlon for statistic vision and photography via Leonard Conlon Photography. Everybody, please check him out. He's awesome. Listen to us on all the podcast streaming sites. Find us at FilmRageYYC on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And our website at filmrageyyc.com. We are always wanting your feedback to make us a raging blast for all listeners. So please go on social media, Apple Podcasts, our website, or Podchaser. Give us feedback or give us more dares to put into the succulent dare bag. No matter what you do, please make us rage. Please. That's it for this week. Rage on. Rage on.